Hey, plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, first, let me say this before because I want to make sure it's super. Uh, Jelani, this is going to be the cold open of the show where we open with a big joke. Like in Saturday, like Saturday Night Live, how sometimes they had like somebody go up to be the president or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get this clean, Griff. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Sorry, I just sorry, love sorry. to get this clean. Okay. Hey, plant. Uh huh. You were the last of us to get on the call. <laughs> Live from New York. <laughs> <laughs> Jan Hicks. Okay. <laughs> what a what pull. the fuck? What a fucking pull! Amazing. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best end of a game. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Chris Plant, and we're going to talk about this game. My name is Ross Forsig, and I'm going to be so happy to talk about this (laughs) fun-loving adventure. It's a romp! It's It's a a romp. It's a fun-loving romp, The Last of Us Part Mm 2. This is, I want to say this right up front, this is our spoiler cast spoilies spoilies this one's got spoilies and not like some spoilies we are going to go i assume to the very 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 end of the last of us 2 mm-hmm. if you have not played the last of us part 2 um oh, and you care i beg <laughs> of you hop off now um and uh uh stop listening but then come back play the game and then come back and we'll see you then yeah uh, i can't i can't believe ellie explodes and see, see, like, that wasn't real, but that's, like, the kind of stuff that we are going to be doing. So we can talk about Crash Bandicoot being in the game now. Oh, shit. Um, okay. Actually, did you get that? Did you hear that little bit of dialogue, by the way, when they're looking through the porn tapes? No. There's, they're looking through the porn tape. This is very early in the game. They're looking through the porn tapes, and one of the porn tapes is called Smash Brandy's Cooch. Oh, <laughs> Oh man, I didn't get Jesus. that. I was on the floor. <laughs> also, last non-spoiler thing, Naughty Dog, change your logo. Yeah. You have to change. It looks so ridiculous <laughs> when the first thing after this grim ass game is like this huge cartoon paw. Like we did it. It's like making the entire game and then putting a big dog shirt on it. <laughs> it really is. It's like The Last of Us Part 3 brought to you by Big Johnson. Like, come on. Anyway. Their first logo was just a babe. Do you remember that? Their first yeah. logo was just like a babe with blo- with blonde hair. And there was a nude code you could punch in yes. to make the babe be naked. So that's that's Justin saying he wants that instead. Okay. Um, no, should, that is not actually. Sorry. Should we? Uh, I feel like this episode could get very, very, very out of hand very quickly. I am suggesting that we spend maybe five minutes at the top to try and uh, summarize sort of the the big beats of the game. Okay, um, and maybe maybe we can relay this if we need to, but like. I, I think keeping it tight is is important because the plot of this game is, I think, what is making it so sort of d- divisive, and and it would be good to sort of prime everybody about that. Yes. While we organize our thoughts on that, can I hit one uh, more mechanics thing that we didn't get a t- chance to talk about that I didn't really realize until I was playing it? Would that be okay? Sure. Sure. Um, 
I am blown away. I think this game has a lot of really impressive achievements. I think the one that impresses me the most is I think this is some of the best level design. Oh, God, yes. I have ever seen in any video game ever. So there's like three stages of level design. I think it's, uh, uh, I can only go this way. That's that's stage one. Yeah. Um, stage two is, I can only go this way, but you're making it look like I could go otherwise. Stage three is, I have no idea which way you want me to go. This is an absolute mess. <laughs> and then I think that they're at this other level in this game where it's like, it looks like I could go anywhere, but I think I'm probably going to go this way. Mm-hmm. Like subconscious level, not even like looking for like the red door or no. the flashing house or whatever. It's just like, yeah, this feels like the right way to go. It's like almost on a subliminal level. And I think it is really, really outstanding. I yep. couldn't believe how many times I thought I was lost. Yes. And just ended up like, oh, this was right. Okay, great. Uh, absolutely. I think we may have done a slight disservice to We talked mostly about mechanics last episode, but like the sound design in this game is also maybe the best I've ever, mm-hmm. like from, from a, you know, not just like a voice acting and mixing and all that stuff perspective, but just like every piece of combat the sound of an arrow whistling by like every single thing about this game sounds like incredible i think it is a technical masterpiece but we're not fucking talking about that no, are we, we are talking not. about talking story. about who story. gets killed who, who um, wants to take a stab <laughs> at, uh let me start until i get tired because i think we also should talk about the end of last of us one last of us one story about joel Who's uh, a uh, who's who at the beginning of this uh, a fungal apocalypse? His daughter uh, is killed, and so he's a very sad man. He is living in Boston and has to get Ellie, who is immune to this virus, yeah. across the country. He's a smuggler, a Han Solo type, but like by way of Lars von Trier. Uh, they by the end of the game they have grown close. He has sort of like learned how to love again, and it, he learns that uh, this this group, the Fireflies, the only way that they can make a cure uh, for the fungal infection is that Ellie is going to have to die. So Joel says nah and kills everyone in the hospital. Kills the doctor who was making the thing. Like it literally just butchers a bunch of unarmed people. And here's here's the very crucial part of this entire thing because uh, yeah. I think it like it, it sets. Last of Us 2 on a course that either you like or dislike is Ellie and this is like how the game is written is not given the choice of mm-hmm. like do I want to die or not for some reason the doctors do not tell her but they do tell Joel well, and we find right. out in the game that, that, that they're like why would you do that and they're like oh, we owe it to him like, surely he won't murder us all yes and Joel lies about it Joel does not jo- tell her jo- yes truth. yes well I'll, I'll get to that point so Joel knows this he decides even though this is not his child it reminds him enough of his child that he must protect this person over all of society. He will not give her a choice. Like, he can't just wait a minute and, like, let her wake up and then be like, hey, how do you feel about this? Instead, he kills everybody. And then at the end of the game, Ellie's like, hey, you know, like, what was up? And Joel's like, nothing. They just, it just didn't work out. And then she's right. like, oh, yeah, that doesn't seem weird. And then uh, now we're pulling out of the game. There's the question of, is Joel a good person? And the creator of this game has said multiple times that, like, that's just how papas are. That, like, every dad <laughs> would make this choice for their child. And I think that is the the weird issue of this game, is the game seems to be fundamentally on the side with Joel. It, it is reasonable that Joel took yes. this action. And also that, like, 
uh, that Ellie did not deserve this choice, nor that this choice was even possible when it was so flagrantly possible that this could be discussed at any okay. point along the way. And it is not discussed barely at all in Last of Us 2, which makes it even stranger. Yes. Everything that happens in Last of Us 2 is an answer to that. That is why yes. we spent some time uh, on, on Last of Us 1. Last of Us 2, four years later, uh, they are living in Jackson, Wyoming. Uh, fungal infection is still going on. They didn't never found a cure, obviously. Uh, and there is a, a growing resentment between Ellie and Joel that is explored mostly through flashbacks throughout the rest of the game. During a patrol, uh, we get to meet Dina, who is uh, Ellie's girlfriend and maybe the most pound-for-pound charming character ever included in a video game before. And they Joel encounters a group of other survivors uh, led by a woman named Abby, and he's with his brother Tommy, and they quickly realize something is off, and the group murders Joel in front of Ellie. That's the big thing that happens in this game that they wanted to keep a secret joel gets killed the protagonist of the last of us one gets killed by abby and then uh, he gets bioshocked to be clear he, he gets uh, hit to death with a golf club in the head yeah uh and so ellie and dina uh sort of follow tommy who is joel's brother on this quest for revenge uh to seattle where Abby and her group of survivors uh, who are part of a larger sort of militia called the Washington Liberation Front or Wolves uh, are holed up and they're just straight up going there to kill all of them, uh, specifically Abby. So you go to Seattle looking for Abby. Along the way, you encounter the other members of her group and dispatch them in various ways. Uh, you encounter a lot of infected in Seattle. You encounter a lot of uh, seraphites, which is like a religious cult. And you just that that is the first half of the game going through Seattle over the course of three days through increasingly treacherous environments and killing literally all of Abby's group. And then at the end of it, you are at this theater. Dina is pregnant, which has thrown a wrench into the, the works a bit because she is uh, feeling very under the weather. Abby finds you in this theater and shoots your friend Jesse, who's just like there and is the, the Dina's former boyfriend who uh, is the father of the child. And he just gets shot in the face. And Tommy is held at gunpoint. And Abby says, you know, I gave you a chance to live and you wasted it. End act one. Okay, can I just discuss one aspect of this? Yes. Please. The one thing I wanted to establish is, when do we find out that they are former fireflies um, that are basically exacting revenge on Joel for murdering everyone? Because I, f- I feel like that was an assumption that I made very early on. Like, who yes. else could it be? Literally, it's the the moment you see them and find out, hey, we're uh, the first scene, I think one of the earliest scenes in the game is you see them outside Jackson, Wyoming. You play right. as Abby at the very, like, right there at the very beginning for a couple scenes. And they say they're there to find someone. You see them looking into the encampment where Joel and Ellie are living and saying, yeah, we're going to find him and kill him. And like... Instant after Act One, they reveal that Abby's father was the surgeon who right. gets killed by Joel, and that set her on this quest for revenge. Right, so there's there's they're doing the same thing, but like that was not a surprising twist to me at all, and right. I, I don't know if it was supposed to be, but it was so clearly this game was going to like reckon with what happened at the end of Last of Us One. So mm-hmm. like that's of course who that is and why they are there and why when they're like, hey, I'm Joel and the room goes quiet and they all look at each other. It's like, yeah, because you guys are about to fucking kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not I just wanted to establish that. The, the, the one thing I wanted to talk about, and this does not tie into the main story at all, uh, Plant texted me about it and I thought it was, it's worth mentioning because I actually found it 
good, but I also appreciate that it was a little ham-fisted. I've played a lot of video games over the years. I've probably walked into <laughs> 10,000 video game churches like over the course of ever. I do not remember I've ever wa- thinking, I-, I can't think of the last time I walked into a synagogue, if ever, in a video game. And you actually huh. do yeah. in this game. Uh, Dina yeah. is Jewish. Uh, it doesn't come up until you sort of go into the synagogue, but she talks a little bit about faith and uh, it is a representation of Judaism that is, I would say, most closely associated with the Rugrats representation of Judaism, which yeah. is to say, yeah. like, yeah. It's, it's, it's painting with a pretty broad brush. But I will say, in the same way that when I saw Rugrats, the Passover episode, seeing this in a video game gave me kind of a warm feeling just to see, like, some sort of Judaism represented in a way that isn't, like, BJ Blazkowicz is Jewish and he's killing Nazis for revenge. This right. felt like something a, that is tied to something other than World War II. Yeah, right, exactly. Just like having cultural Judaism represented in a video game is like kind of a very rare, if ever, thing. So it was, I was actually happy to see it. So the great part, though, is you um, explore the this temple and then at, at the very end of it, of collecting all these things, you find a note from the rabbi. Yeah, uh, and the note is the exact opposite of the game the note is like you know like in in times of darkness we must like seek the light and it's yeah. like uh yeah okay so um uh that's really nice i'm gonna spend the next 20 hours brutally <laughs> maiming people um but thanks for the pro tip yeah. that's weird that's the one instance of dissonance narrative dissonance in the entire game, <laughs> so that's cool that you've highlighted it there um i i was kind of disappointed in the first in very i mean first what is it, guys, like hour, two hours mm-hmm. when Joel is killed. I felt disappointed just because, not because I felt like it was some great loss of the character. Troy Baker is getting work. He's fine. <laughs> but I felt like we, he made a big choice at the end of the first game, and I realized seeing that, that unless they did some like timeline twistery, which there's a little bit of, but not much, that we weren't really going to get to see him struggle with the impact of that or 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 sort of live sit in that i mean as far as joel is concerned i mean and and in in the way the game has painted it joel has gone on joel made that decision and has gone on to live a very pleasant life i mean as pleasant as anybody's life as pleasant as anybody's life is you know in this fairly idyllic i mean there's like fucking bar room dances and stuff (laughs) like that like it's it's not the worst in the world sure and the game has sort of said like well joel is fine like joel is fine with that choice and i'm not saying actually that i want to see him punished for that as a dad myself like i don't know and i hope i would never i can't imagine why i would ever be put in that scenario which is really a weird scenario by the way to hang two games on if if one of the biggest questions is like would you sacrifice your child for the rest of humanity to persevere? And it's like, what the fuck do I care? I don't know. Why do I need to think about that? I, it's I don't not a know. universal question at all. It's not. It's not in any way, yeah. shape, or form. The struggles of parenthood are about, in my experience at least, are about sacrificing yourself and parts of yourself. What are you willing to give up in you and let go of in you 
to for your child. Yeah. And it, but it, it is very rarely like, hey, humanity's going to beef it if you yeah. don't let your you know, like that's it's why, why are we spending time talking about it? And it's like such a bizarre. It's like it's like the trolley problem. If on one end is is your dad and the other one is all of the Mets. And it's like, <laughs> I, the fuck do I care? I'm never going to be in this scenario. There's no morality to think about. I don't I don't know. Is Mr. Met? On the side That's of a good the question. Mets. Yes, he's trying. Oh, that's the easy. Then I take the mess. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that was my big disappointment. This will kind of get us to, I guess, the end of the first half, and then we can dive into all the second half. But first half is a nugget, right? They introduce so many compelling stories that are are very universal. They introduce the story of. Um, I don't know if we t- talked about this at all last week, but Ellie and Joel and this idea of like generational divide and how hard it is for generations to communicate, and it's like. The, the metaphor here is even more extreme because Joel lived in a world that Ellie can't live in. And Ellie mm-hmm. is reminded of that mm-hmm. every time because of her passion for, for spacecraft. Um, Joel's relationship with Dina and this question of like, hey, can you raise a child in a world that you know is going to be worse for them than it was for the generation before it? Like, what does that mean? And then there's also that love triangle between um, Ellie, Dana, and who's Dina's ex Jesse. Jesse, which is all interesting. So all three of those threads are great. And every time you're like, wow, they really set up a, a really compelling drama. I can't wait to see. Oh, my God. Somebody got their head blown off. Right. End of drama. And then and that is it, and now we can talk about the second act. They set up all of this really strong storytelling. And they're just like, you know what? <laughs> We're not really here for that. We're here right. for blood. Um, We're going to punctuate like just cut all of those stories short um and now let's go to another person so we can do that to them and then we can just let them beat the shit out of each other and see who wins did you guys want to see joel i want to try to keep it in the first uh, first half and then and get and then not spend forever here but did you share my feelings about the joel thing that, that did that feel a little bit like of a truncation to you I, or did it make sense i wanted to push back against that because all of the uh joel gets killed in the first two hours of the game joel continues to appear in the game through flashbacks during ellie's uh like chapters and during a uh you play as Abby in the second half of the game. I feel like we're dancing around that for some weird reason. Uh, but at the very, very end of the game, you do take back over as Ellie again. Uh, and during Ellie's parts of the game, you see Joel in flashbacks. And they are important flashbacks. And the flashbacks essentially tell the story of how Ellie finds out Joel lied mm-hmm. and how she responds to that. Uh, and I think the punishment of Joel that you see is even during the good parts. There is a sequence in this game that will stick with me like forever. And I have mixed feelings about this game, but I think it's one of the most unforgettable games by its literal definition I've ever played. That's the, the scene that you have in the museum where you're exploring with uh, with Joel and he's taking you there for his birthday, for your birthday and you climb inside a spacecraft and he plays the audio from the Apollo 11 launch for you. Like it is so beautiful. It mm-hmm. is like, it is, uh, mm-hmm. they, it is naughty dog storytelling. Like, at its best, but even during those scenes, and especially during the scenes where Ellie starts to figure it out, Joel like kind of knows he's doomed, both from a like like a a moral and ethical perspective, uh, from a karmic perspective. Like you can tell, he knows that it, someday something's going to get him, but also and most importantly. Because he knows it's not tenable with Ellie. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows that Ellie is figuring it out. And you can just watch him, especially at the moment where she confronts him and says, hey, I, I know definitively you lied. 
it's it is uh, a a staggering sort of facial acting voice acting performance from Joel, but like you see that that is the punishment is even when it is good, even when he is living a, a life that you know Justin said was you know better than most. You know, like he he knows he's he's done for. Like he knows that he is he has spoiled everything. I I agree with all of that. My only issue, and and you're right, that scene is unforgettable and fantastic. My issue is you do all of that, and then at the very end of the game, we get a flashback. So we're still in this kind of timeline of of the past, uh, in which Ellie confronts Joel, and Joel's like, you know what? If I if I had the the chance, I would do it all over again. And Ellie's just like. Oh, okay. You know, now we can work towards peace. And it's like, wait, what? I mean, that's Ellie throughout the whole game is like on big emotional journey. And then somebody just repeats back the same thing that has pissed her off a million times. And she's like, it hit a little differently now. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's why I think her reaction is wild. I I think it is weird that like the whole crux, the, the lie and the terrible thing that Joel's being punished for is I could have let you beef it, but I didn't. And like, I hope that I raise a child where if I tell her this exact story, she's like, oh, choice, dad. Wouldn't have wanted to beef it. Thank you so much for that. Do appreciate the assist on that. Was 14. Don't want to die. So choice of you to kill all those scientists, guys, and get me out of there. Absolutely chill. Let's go watch a movie. I mean, together. we, we haven't talked about it, but we should be very clear. Like Ellie before in the first game, before she goes into surgery and gets put unconscious by whatever, before the surgery, she makes it very, very clear that no matter what happens, the thing that she wants is the vaccine to come from her. She makes it very clear to Joel, there's no guessing. She will absolutely sacrifice herself to have this thing happen. Now, granted, she's young, that's fine, but like, there's no question about it, what her motivation is and what she would do in this scenario. And Joel knows this, like Joel knows what she would prefer in this scenario. And then she reiterates it in this game. She's like, I wanted to die. You took that away from me. I wanted my death to have me. Right. That, that, I wanted they my explore death. that in, in the Left Behind DLC for the first game where you explore like her her first uh, like love interest with a, with a, a young girl. And mm-hmm. at the by the end of that, you kind of see that nihilistic isn't like the right word, but just like this deep desire for something to mean fucking anything in this apocalypse and she wanted to mean something and he he did not allow that to happen. right and i and i would say i think at to plant's point like i think the scene between them at the end where they're discussing this choice that he made and how she feels about it and the fact that she basically says i'll work towards uh forgiving you is just like a total undercutting of the first game like that is the most blah like way to wrap that emotional thing up, which has a lot of tension and a lot of power to it. But just for it to be like, we'll manage. And the universal lesson for the parent is at the end of the day, you can't control your children. Like that's the clear message is that like the thing I kept waiting for him to say was this was your choice. And like, I took that for you. Like that is, that is such a universal thing for a parent to understand about their children that you can't control them and make these decisions for them. Anyway, should we talk about the second half? Yes, let's take a break, and then we will come back with a discussion of the second half of Last of Us Part 2. So this is The Last of Us Part 2, Part 2. You go get a phone, you just want a phone, talk to your friends and family, you're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts, 
and you get ripped off because he's got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front but there's always some sort of catch you know who's not going to do that to you not going to pull that nonsense mint mobile their wireless plans there is no catch $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan mint mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you you want to pay hundreds of dollars for like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan or you want to have a nice easy solution save some put the bucks back in your pocket pay 15 bucks a month say bye to your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all... You already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20 percent all you have to do is take a picture of your bill and rocket money takes care of the rest that might sound too good to be true i have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments i have and it's worked which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties. This episode of the besties is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right. So, you know, there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd 
highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Right, so that we make the flip uh, at what is, I mean, probably not exactly halfway. I would probably say when you switch to Abby, you're probably at about the two fifths mark. Does that say, sound I about? I would say it's about halfway. It's about halfway. I, I think it's the, about the close epilogue to half. Is about as long as the prologue, and and it's literally the same three day period uh, that Ellie spends in Seattle. You control Abby as she. Okay. <laughs> Your, this game this game's extremely divisive right and there's a ton of reasons for that and we can get into that or we can't get into that but like i think uh for most folks who play this game whether or not you come away from it liking it depends on if naughty dog p- succeeds in this this trick that it is mm-hmm. trying to pull uh where now you are controlling abby during the same three-day period uh you see there's a little bit of crossover you see some of ellie's handiwork right uh but if you can sympathize with Abby and be on her side after she kills Joel, then they're, they're going to land some punches on you that otherwise, if you decide fairly early on, like, I do not like this character and they have not done a very good job of uh, making me sympathize with her, uh, they are not going to land, right? Otherwise, like, if that's the case, you're going to spend half this game just kind of spinning your wheels a little bit. Oh, Okay. You're you were right in what you were saying. Yes, but you are. But you are. Um, no, the, you're right in what you're saying. I think that there's not a but. It's just uh, you're. That is correct. My issue with this, the entirety of this. So we're really talking about two different things, right? The arc of Joel and whether or not his choice was the right one or not is literally we have that we have summarized the entire thing. That is not dealt with. I feel like outside of the sequences with Joel in it, Mm -hmm. we sort of wrap Joel up in flashback and Ellie's journey is very much about the cycle of violence. Right. And I don't know if we touched enough on, she kills a lot of people. She kills a pregnant woman at the end, not knowing she's pregnant. And by that point she has completely just like lost herself. Like she is, she has lost herself to this violence and she is like, she is like just destroyed at that point. 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 This is where it broke down for me. I'm not a violent person, right? And I almost feel like the game should ask me that at the beginning. Like, do you think violence is actually pretty cool? <laughs> and then I would say, not really. And they would like, here is the Crash Bandicoot get it for free. We're sorry. We're sorry we wasted your time. Here is a free Crash Bandicoot because you won't get anything out of this. I watched the the moment that they made the switch to Abby. I was like, Oh, uh, uh, for an eye where it makes the whole world blind. I get it. And it's like, imagine if you played through this entire character story, then what we claim is that by the end of it, you might not actually want Ellie to fucking stab her in revenge. <laughs> and it's like, I was there. I was there before. I don't like to kill people. I don't think we should be killing people. I think she probably should have been like, I get it. Whatever. This sucks. Like, we should let this go. The entire second half is like, we're going to do all this legwork. It does some other things, which I'd like to touch on. But but the main idea is we're going to make this a sympathetic character th- th- where you might be actually 
understand why she killed Joel. I was fucking there. Right. I don't need to play 15 hours more to get me there. I was there. And so the whole thing was like hitting these dead notes of like, do you get it? She's <laughs> killing that guy because he killed her. It's like, yeah, I get it. And a lesser I, I version it, remember it? of the previous 15 hours. It's like, what if it was also not as well designed and uh, more well, linear? Let's not get, because that gets very messy. I do want to specifically okay. talk about one aspect of of what we were just talking about. Specifically, that transition that Justin's talking about is very important, because you're right, Justin, it does not land. And it's not just that she killed, like, a few of um, Abby's friends. It's that she's killed probably dozens, if not 50 guards, in the most gruesome way possible, where, where you're, like, ripping their throats out with a knife. So, like, at that point you feel so kind of nauseous about the violence that you need to ask yourself, would anyone come away after all of that violence being like, yeah, that worked out great. I was, I was super happy with that. It is, it actually is interesting because it ties in with, so then the narrative lead on this game, I'm blanking on her name, but she worked on Westworld and Westworld, the whole theme of Westworld for, for really almost all of it was this idea of like, Hey, Maybe people shouldn't be so awful to these. Haley Gross. Haley Gross is her name. Maybe people shouldn't be so awful to these like AI people that actually have feelings, it turns out. And and that, the twist is very similar to that, which is to say like, hey, you should feel bad about all these AI guards that you just killed because now you're meeting them in their home, in their stadium. They're eating burritos and talking about Harry Potter. Like you should feel super bad. Right. But I felt super bad because it was so gruesome. It's already gruesome. pretty bad. It was already bad. So like I, it just does not land. Griff, blow through those narrative right. the, yeah. the beats. Uh, after after reliving Abby, finding her father and all of the other doctors dead at the hospital, uh, you flash forward to this same three-day sequence in Seattle. You wake up in the Wolf, the Washington Liberation Front compound, and they have their shit just as set up as Jackson. The parallels are just constant, right? They have a farm uh, on a football field. They have like all this shit, right? You get to meet the other play, the other characters that you murdered uh, and a couple of other like new characters and instantly they, they humanize them or attempt to humanize them and uh, that's, I mean, there's literally not much else to say about it. Uh, you learn a little bit more about uh, why they're at war with the Seraphites. That's like a big thing of the game. And I, 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 like, not only did I not necessarily jive with Abby, but also like, I didn't really care about the the wolves and the Seraphites and their whole like war or whatever. They uh, had to, it really felt like they had to, <laughs> they had to introduce an impartial third party that everybody could feel good about killing. Right. No matter which uh, side but of even the- that, But that is sort of, how again the parallel of this second act uh abby is going to look for owen who is one of the people who uh ellie dispatches in the first half of the game they are former romantic partners he has gone awol from this organization after killing another one of the wolves he is held up at this aquarium that is kind of like his home base where he is his little fucking blanket fort or whatever uh you murder your way to the aquarium and on your way you encounter two Seraphite kids who save your life after you are kidnapped by the Seraphites named uh, Lev and Yara. And you get to the aquarium after leaving those kids behind and you feel guilty about it. So the next day you go to check up on them and you have to get... Uh, the, the, the following sequence of events is you basically helping 
these kids out like that by following sequence of events i mean the main body of the game mm-hmm. of, of the second act of the game uh you have to get yara back to the aquarium where the pregnant woman whose name i cannot remember mm, there's a lot mel? of mel, mel yeah. uh is she is a surgeon she's going to cut her arm off because her arm has been terribly broken and needs to be amputated so you and lev have to go and get medical supplies and get back there the the after like that surgery is a success uh a main sort of narrative driving factor of the game is uh lev is a trans boy who was like not accepted in this very religious society um but uh because they ran away he fears that there will be retribution against his mom who is still there so he goes back to this island compound of the seraphites that's about to be raided by the wolves you go there with yara uh to save him yara gets killed uh along the way and after like a fuck ton of people get murdered on this island you and lev escape and then wait wait wait, wait, wait. Pause, pause 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 a fuck ton of people get murdered including one man that you shred with a like scythe um like you literally pull yeah. his jaw off yeah you fuck him up it's it's yeah, it's, it's rough stuff it's, yeah, um, it's intense although the sequence before that is fucking on the horse in the flaming village is fucking cool <laughs> in a different <laughs> game cool. it would be it makes zero uh, sense in this one but it's cool uncharted sequence uh <laughs> 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 okay so this is this is really the first time I've, unless I'm, I'm forgetting something, where you come across Ellie's handiwork. Because you return to the aquarium, there is Mel and Owen, who both of them were about to escape to Santa Barbara on this boat and, you know, raise their child or, or you know, or, or whatever, and they are dead. And Abby, like, loses it, finds a map uh, on the floor, telling her where Ellie is at the theater. Boom, their paths get, you know, we, we reconnect right there. And let's... Pause because there's a there's there's another act here that is huge, but I think we should like unpack this one first. Does that okay. sound fair? Um, uh, I mean, it's it's we can get through the final two hours of the game pre- pretty quickly. Let's let's do final that two so hours. Be... You mean the final like eight hours? Because there's another eight hour ride. No, we, stop we it here. No, it's it's two hours. I clocked it because I looked up a playthrough video, <laughs> thinking like there's no. F- I gotta be close to the end of this <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, the two, the Abby and Ellie square off in this theater. You are controlling Abby during this boss fight, right? Uh, and you get the be- you get the upper hand. Uh, you have a knife to Dina's throat. Um, after shooting Tommy, what appears to be in the head, killing him, but he's fine, I guess. Uh, you have a knife to Dina's throat, and Lev is there, uh, and Ellie says she's pregnant, and Abby says, good, uh, about to kill her, and Lev convinces Abby to stop, uh, to not do it, and she says, don't ever let me see you again. She runs away. Uh, flash forward to Dina and Ellie living happily on, well, living okay on this farm. Uh, the baby is there, and uh, Ellie is suffering from like PTSD, panic attack, like really severe stuff. Tommy shows up, says, I know where Abby is. You should go kill her. Uh, Ellie leaves after Dina says, like, don't, if you do this, like, don't come back. She goes there, encounters yet another faction of terrible murderers called the Rattlers who have imprisoned Abby. 
uh, and they're Lev. just dickheads. Though. <laughs> they're just dickheads. Uh, you, yeah. You, these are not. These are actually like they uh, they dress them in the most fucking fratty McKegbeer style. Yeah. Just so you know, it is fun to kill. Them. These are subhuman. We have we have thirty five seconds to introduce these characters. Here's what they look like. Go now. Go. You've seen their fucking cargo shorts. They're dirt bags. They're, they're dirt dirt dad rock, and they have uh like fights. They 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 release uh infected to fight one another on chains. They're like yeah. yeah. That's they're, where they're, they're at. Like cliche walking dead. Well, I think it's fine. Yes, uh, it's hard to come by entertainment he said, these days. So Ellie says, "Hello, nice to meet you," and slaughters a thousand of them. Uh, Find <laughs> the silent machine me, gun. It's me, the dark, the dark shroud of legend. Right. <laughs> your people have discussed in whispers. The one who descends upon your peaceful village and murders right. everyone in it. So Abby and Lev have been captured by this group. Uh, are essentially crucified on this beach. Oh, no, so of? so it's actually a, a specific form of torture. This was. Uh, uh, very popular in Japan and was often done against Christian martyrs where they put them up on a crucifix, but they don't actually crucify them. They let the waves come in and uh, they die of exposure. So it, oh, a cool. very, very, very specific form of torture. Okay. Um, so I was led to believe at least somebody makes a comment that she got bitten and this is what they do to people. Who oh, got no, no, no. What? No, it's torture. No. No, it's just torture. No, no it's okay, not. it's just torture. It's I mean, just it's people, obviously torture. Right. Not, There's a line uh, where argued. they say that she tried to escape, and this is punishment right. for is her. Is that what it was? That's what it was. I, I, so, I could have sworn I heard someone say she got bitten. Ellie, okay. Ellie cuts her down, cuts Lev down, uh, and there's this moment where they are both going to these boats on the beach to just like kind of go their separate ways. Ellie then has a flashback to Joel's caved-in head, throws Abby down in the water, says, you're going to fight me or I'm going to kill Lev. So you have this fucking brutal fight uh knife fight in the water not like cool not like cool knife fight where you're like dodging blows knife fight where you are just slashing each other to ribbons uh and ellie finally after getting her two of her fingers bitten off has the upper hand is drowning abby and then you see these flashbacks to this final scene with joel where she says i forgive you or let's let's work on this relationship and lets her and lev go to sail off into the distance. You return home to the farm. Sure enough, Dina and the kid are gone. You pick up your guitar, which is like a recurring thing throughout <laughs> the game, and you can't uh, the, you can't play it as, as well anymore. you had those and fingers bit off, you know? You got those fingers bit off. What a metaphor. You, have the, you got the flashback to the final scene with Joel where she says, I'd like to try to forgive you, and then she flashes back to the, the present, sets the guitar down by a window, walks off into the distance, cut the black. That's okay. the end of it. Holy holy there's shit there's a lot there but i because I, I know uh we're gonna run long so I'm, i want to specifically talk about one element of abby's story that is basically the turning point for her as a character because up until this moment she's basically supposed to be um you know motivated by the strength of uh her love for owen and the wolves and fighting against the scars and whatever and the moment that i'm talking about is specifically when she goes back for the um two kids part a I had no idea there were kids until it was explicitly stated like four to five hours after really? you meet them. I don't. It's. I don't think it's ever like said out loud. I don't know how you. I mean, the graphics. It's hard because Abby is so much. Uh, she's bigger. I think or, like her build is much bigger, and I think compared to her, I just thought they were slight. Right. People yeah, like I right. just thought there yeah, were just smaller like, people than yeah. than than Abby. So that's thing A. But thing B is the reason she makes this turn that is like the total opposite of where her character was before is because Owen says something about how oh he saw this scar and he was old and he had given up and I I let him live and that just like thirty second story and she has a dream. By a, 
I'm sorry. And she has a she has she has many dreams about the the sequence where she finds her father dead. Right. Know, but, so like, she, right. She keeps flashing back to her father. Oh God. And so like that. So the dream and the story are enough for her to completely change everything about her, sacrifice everything that she previously cared about. Let let me, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that that's a fair way of encompassing sort of the change. And this, this is uh, this is my defense of The Last of Us 2. Uh, it is a game about eye for an eye makes the world go blind, uh, right? I think that the, the nuance to that is not just that like violence leads to more violence and that violence is bad. It's that retributive justice is inherently like not fulfilling is not satisfying does not accomplish the very goal that is in the name retributive justice except she finds- it's super satisfying cut to the kill shot <laughs> the kill shots are so sick no i mean and, and and this is this is a thread that is carried through her and her group uh have some turmoil as they find joel and even some disagreement like when they're close and and can't even get it together she kills joel and then the repercussions she has to live with just like joel has to live with the end of last of us one is that it didn't fix anything and that if anything it has driven an enormous wedge between her and the only people in this world that give a shit about her uh and that is something that Ellie struggles with as she kills all these people and like doesn't feel great about it. In fact, she just feels worse and worse until she kills Mel, uh, a pregnant woman and like fucking loses it. Right. Uh, the game tackles like justice in that manner as something that is like kind of clumsy and like not, all that satisfying so that in my opinion is like there's a lot we don't see before this three-day period in seattle that is why she is making this change it's like you can tell like shit's not good as she's walking around the wolf compound like talking to all these people like things are things have reached a breaking point but the problem is that idea is undercut so the whole she goes through the whole game she's basically protecting lev lev she becomes lev's guardian she saves him from the island she rides through all this fire. She rips a guy's jaw off to save Lev. She goes back. She sees that Ellie has murdered um, uh, Owen Mel and, and Mel. Owen. And then she has a choice. She can do the thing where she basically takes care of Lev and sends him off to Santa Barbara, which is maybe safe and she's with him and everything's great. Or she can risk all of that to go to the theater and try to exact her version of revenge on Ellie, which seems like a total re-reversion of where she was previously. And that's the, the, the issue is that question gets played out over and over and over in the end. The, the other thing that happens is like um, Abby says, you know, like, just don't, I don't want to see you again. And you would think that Ellie, after her entire experience with the first right. half of the game, would be like, got it. You would also think that Dina who has like seen all these things Ellie had done would be like, listen, I love you, but I don't think I can live in a room far away from people with you because you kill people for sport. Um, <laughs> but instead, what happens is we get this sequence that it feels very like, well, it's like a the cool video game sequence where it's like, and now we're on a farm and we're herding sheep. Like, there, there's just something about it. It's like so Red Dead. Um, and then it's like, well, no, now we have to learn it again. And the only way for Ellie to do this is to go all the way to Santa Barbara. Uh, she travels literally across the country during a uh, uh, post-apocalypse, slaughter her way through this uh, compound of rattlers, uh, find Abby, 
pull her off of being tortured because apparently she could have just let her she could have been like you know what i'm just gonna sit here and let that the, the waves ride out um has to beat the snot out of her forces her to fight her and then while strangling her and i don't know if you noticed this symbol uh her reflection in the water is abby underwater um and then in the middle of all of it she's like i know i came all the way across the country and just killed like another thousand people but now something now. Uh, now a memory kind of poof changed in my mind and now i think it's okay and now we've learned our lesson mm-hmm. and now i'm going to go all the way back home which also why and then again like the thing that it, it dodges which is like the the thing that you keep waiting for them to just talk about the very obvious thing is for abby to say i know who you are you are the one person who could be the cure i am a former firefly i am going to santa barbara there might be a way for us to still make a cure i have spared your life why do you not come with me or when they're in santa barbara just just convey this information in any way possible hey you want you want to save people turns out that's actually an option but it's never said but i don't think that's bad storytelling like it is people making it is people making constantly the wrong decisions and again like the wedge chris that like keeps that exact scenario from happening that keeps people from having that conversation is this sense of justice is this but, is the but, like but it's they've not all right, learned it's, the it's, lesson by the end like how, how after- like nobody nobody changes right like even joel and this is seen in joel's final scene in the game like he hasn't changed he would do the same fucking thing like nobody changes in this game ellie is constantly offered the opportunity to just fucking leave and doesn't because she yeah. has to get this justice well, and and like i don't think that i don't think that characters making the wrong decision and being poisoned by the sense of of, of justice and being poisoned by uh, how much sort of like sunk cost fallacy violence they've committed so far is bad storytelling. In fact, I would argue the opposite. Like I think yeah. it is a very real, it's not just that violence leads to more violence, it's that violence ruins everything. Yeah. I, like I just every want to put a, a bow on my point. I think it. I think it, it, there's an argument for being good storytelling and bad storytelling. The good storytelling, the really generous reading here, is the like, this is Aristotelian high tragedy that these people are not human, that they are different than us, that they are so driven by that, by this one core idea that they will make decisions that we would never make. And that everybody around them is like, hey, stop doing that. And they can't. And that's tragic. So like, I think I think in that way that, that I honestly think that's what they're going for. Um, I don't like that. As a story of like just modern drama storytelling, I don't think it works because Anybody, no matter how poisoned you are, no matter how dark it has gotten, at some point you would say, I know who you are. (laughs) You want this thing. I also have this thing. Like, you would at least convey the information. Maybe you wouldn't invite them for, like, a, you know, a a party together. But you would at least convey the information. And that, I, I just... It, it drove me crazy throughout this whole game how many times things were prevented from moving forward just because characters arbitrarily were like, I'm just not going to share this information that is absolutely crucial to everybody. It's not arbitrary. Okay. Well, I would also add, like, it's one thing to do the, like, very directed, unchanging characters for a two-hour movie. For 30 hours <laughs> it's to exhausting. not have characters change is outrageous and kind of inexcusable to be perfectly honest like the character that changes is abby though right like with her relationship with uh lev and yara like you are that that is the trick right that is the the sympathy that you are supposed to feel is because hey she is warming up to these two kids and 
yeah. you know, fighting against uh, Lev's persecution. Isn't she? Isn't she great? Like that is I, that is not afforded to Ellie. That is only afforded to Abby because they really need you to sympathize with her even a little bit for the game to work. You guys want to hop in here? Yeah. Yes, please. <clears throat> I just like to take a minute. Uh, this game sucks. Uh, <laughs> wow! <laughs> and I, I, I feel like in every sense, it's like it's very accomplished in a lot of different ways. And I told Russ, I was wait, I was waiting up until the literally the end of the game. I had not made up my mind about this thing because what I saw was like there's a lot of moving pieces, and if they can pull pull them together in like something I don't see coming because I didn't know how this would end it, but I thought if they could pull these pieces together it will it, it, it could be genius and it pretends to but it's not saying anything if it was saying something here's what plant said would have happened or the fact that Abby cared so much for Lev would have started a reverse chain reaction that would make Ellie let her go in the same way that violence triggered violence, they would at any point show that peace could trigger peace. Uh, But instead, something like that, right? That only works with violence, though. because And this is the fucking biggest problem with this game to me. Abby makes the decision at the very beginning of the game to spare Ellie. She does not kill Ellie, and she is punished for that. And it makes the, the entire rest of the game fucking suspect. This game is saying nothing except maybe violence is bad. And yet they have this company and this is not everybody's uh, so many people have been doing this. But still, I'm going to say the fact remains this game says nothing other than wanton violence is bad. And yet this company has been profiting off of the joy of that for 15 years and this game is not them reckoning with their past in the way that like god of war the new god of war feels like that this is more of that for every bit of this is undone every message of like you know violence is pretty bad i guarantee you their next game be it an uncharted or a last of us or whatever will have that level like have a level of violence increased in accuracy of larynxes getting pulled out of necks <laughs> i mean it's absolutely graphic. you there are two options for the brutality of this game and it is either one to convince me that you shouldn't fucking bite people's throats out or two to make it cool or fun or shocking or exploitative whatever to sizzle it up a little bit. And since I am in no way thinking that that level of violence is cool, I've now just had to be subjected to it for 30 hours and learn nothing. And like that to me is the, that is why this game, like I felt like at any point they could have just said something that would land and would make a point. And without that, it's just fucking nihilism. Like it's just, it's, it's nihilism that, that even worse it doesn't even have a point about nihilism, um, and that is that is where I landed at the end of uh, the end of this. Game. I think I'm coming off most positive about the game. I still think it is flawed. I despise Last of Us One, but I think this is a step up from Last of Us Two, which is probably why I don't have a lot of problems that let's say most YouTubers have with the game. Which, by the way, uh, there's a there, I, that's we could do a whole second episode or third episode, I guess, about like the 
backlash, the the divisiveness, the Metascore bombing, the all that shit. I think that if this game did have a positive message at the end of it, that would undo it. Like, I think if this game, uh, you feel bad at the end of this game. At the, you, you walk away alone because of your actions at the end of this game. The violence has destroyed everyone's lives and there is no... There is no learning that has has happened. There is no message. I feel like uh, the, the closest you get, right, is this flashback scene with Joel, which I think is actually a pretty artful way of doing it because if the game had ended with, and you know what? I think that that's, I think that I've grown because of this and I'll never do it again. Like that would, that would undo literally what the tone of the rest of the game was, which is like, Yes, would violence it? is bad. I, I, I don't think, think it would it, actually justify the game because if he had learned, then I would understand why Ellie did all this. If he if he didn't learn anything, yeah, it's like or didn't because for for me, Griff, if they had instead like Ellie had killed Abby, and that was the thing, and then she was all alone, like the, at least that's something, that, right? right? Like that at least that work. says her what? her not her her letting Abby go after literally. 10 minutes before like slaughtering a whole compound of rattlers like that that bit doesn't land i'm saying that like the 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 message of this game is that like these people's lives have been ruined by violence i think it's easy and like try to say like this game is all about how violence is bad because i think this game is about that but i also think it explores it to a depth that like a video game has not done before and i think that naughty dog is kind of the company that has to do that because it's called the fucking nathan drake dilemma of here's the charming rogue who's just slaughtered thousands of people. I think that like you get to the end of this game and Ellie hasn't changed that much because violence has fucking poisoned her life. And like, that's it. Like that's the message of the game. I don't think there can be a redemptive arc at the end of it. You can't, but you can't do that and expect me to take it seriously when I'm also eating 60 pills to do headshots. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm not, it's not a joke. I know. Yeah. Like, well, and- do that in like a six hour <laughs> indie game where you're actually not making violence fun and you're actually like saying something about it with gameplay. You cannot have, you, you it is it is absolutely like have your cake and eat it too. And I don't know if you've seen Neil Druckmann's Twitter account, but he's sharing, you know, these like compilation videos of like sweet kills. And it's like that, that's where I'm just like lost where it's like, what is this? Like, what what are you saying whatsoever? I don't want optimism. I just want satisfaction. Like, yeah. I just want it to say something, like, narrative satisfaction, or otherwise it's not a story. Yeah. We need to find a way to wrap up because we're going very long. Actually, we don't. We can just apparently stop and have Joel play a fucking guitar song. And did you learn anything? I hope so because that's the end of the game. To kind of mesh together Justin and Griffin's points, I think the biggest bummer for me is, like, sure, Naughty Dog honestly it could be the right studio to make anything they're very they're clearly very talented every little bit of this game was made with extreme talent the bummer is that this is the game that they decided to make and that this is the game that they felt compelled to make and this is the game that is like somehow necessary to be made in video games i i I agree with justin that like i just don't think we need to answer this dilemma you want to answer this dilemma stop making every game about shooting people in the face that's how you answer it. You start making games like you have. That so would be much, transgressive. Yeah. That's a that says something. That does. And something. Clearly, if that's what you're actually after, like change, then change. And they're interested but, in that. It, but instead, it's this thing of like we're 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 kind of embarrassed by this thing that we're making, but we're gonna still make it. We're gonna make it better than it's ever been made before. But we're gonna let you know that it's also pretty gross. 
to, to, but to paint this in the last night, this is the last defense I will make of Last of Us 2, uh, which, boy, howdy, I'm coming off as a real fucking Sony crony this episode, huh, boys? Um, <laughs> a lot of the, as soon as I finished the game, I knew how divisive it was, and I started to dip into some of those uh, YouTube Ooh, no, big screaming. No, no. Well, no, because I wanted to kind of know how the other half lives, right? And there's plenty of, you know, bigotry sort of feeling some of that fire but a lot of it is like people who loved the first game and didn't like what happened to specifically to joel in this game uh didn't like the game's message about violence right and the common thing that i kept seeing was uh this game constantly makes you try to feel bad it tries to make you feel bad for playing the game and tries to make you feel bad for the decision that joel made at the end of the game and i didn't like that and to me that's what I think is so sort of important about this game is that like, I think for a lot of people, they have not had to confront that violence in this game before. There's plenty of people who played all four Uncharted games, uh, five including Lost Legacy, six including Golden Golden Compass, I don't know, the PSP one, uh, <laughs> who got to the end of those games and like the Nathan Drake dilemma didn't even register, right? I think that... I think that if you know the term ludonarrative dissonance, like maybe it's like, maybe it is a, uh, they were treading, you know, covered ground at that point. But I think it is uh, staggering the uh, adherence to this, to this idea of, of violence being poison. uh, Because I think there's plenty of people for whom like that idea has never crossed their mind when they think about video games. Okay. um, This is the last, I know we got to wrap it up. I know, I know fresh is giving me the wrap it up then don't pretend like you're not part of the fucking problem. You've been desensitizing people to this for 15 years and you wonder why they're violent. You wonder why you've been giving them points for headshots for a decade and a half and you wonder why they're not more sensitive about violence. And and, and you're still doing it, by the way. There's a raid on a compound of 30 people. You have to reckon with every one of those kills. Every once in a while, you have to look back and be like, damn, that's a lot of corpses, even for me. Say, oh, oh, well. That one was named Mark. I know that that, bo- that body used to belong to a Mark. He liked Frito brand corn chips. <laughs> do you feel bad? <laughs> yeah, I do. Do you want me to kill 60 more? <laughs> Only if you want all their scissors and rats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, y'all. <laughs> we have to wrap it up. You all sent so many questions, uh, and they're wonderful. But unfortunately, we have bloviated for far too long to d- to dip into the mailbag. So we are we are sorry, but we hope it was cathartic for you, perhaps to type those emails to us. <laughs> Maybe you grew as a result of it. Um, thank you for listening to our show. A reminder that you can follow and listen for free on Spotify, which you are likely doing right now. Uh, if you want to share the show, besties fan. This would actually be a pretty good one if people have finished the game and they want to like hear what four white people say about it, then we've got them covered. Uh, uh, and so that, that is worth checking out. Plant, tell me about this newsletter everybody's talking about. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at the Besties Pod, And if you want to join our newsletter, it is the first linked uh, message, a pinned message at the top of the Twitter feed. That's going to do it for us this week. So, We're so, so tired. Anyway, sorry, we, talk, we talked for so long about it. Uh, we've got to record another episode after this, believe it or not. That's going to do it for this week, so be sure to join us again next week for the besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? You should call it the best of us.
provides a Spotify original podcast in association with Fox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter and produced by Ben Hosley. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties!